0: Hi, it's Gracie, and I'm here today with a really special guest for the Self-Care with Gracie podcast. Her name is Naisha Battle, and she's a sex coach, uh, and she hosts her own podcast it's called Down for Whatever, and she has a, a psychology background, and she is working in the Bay Area right now and helping people focus in on their sex lives and how to create more satisfying sex lives, how to be more, more sex positive and more open, and it's, it's an important theme for me because it's something that I'm just starting to talk about. I sent out a, a blog post a few weeks ago all about my sex life, and it just opened up this really interesting new world of being like, whoa, I can talk about sex. So I'm really excited to have you here, Manisha. Thanks for taking the time and sharing your wisdom with us. Absolutely.
1: I'm so happy to have this conversation with you um, and glad that we got got connected.
0: Thank you. And, well, okay, so we were, we were chatting last week and uh, talking about sex and self-care, and, and I'm curious how those two relate for you in your own vision of, of your work.
1: I really have done a lot of work in looking at how my personal sexuality ties into my feelings of comfort moving throughout the world as a woman and as a woman of color in particular. Um, so my sexuality means to me like a lot of different things at different times in my life. Um, but for me, it's super powerful in understanding um, my place as a woman, um, my place as a human <laughs> on this planet as sexuality is a very um, universal experience for most of us throughout our lives. But there's, there's so much meaning um, that gets created around it throughout one's lifespan. And I think I've found the most joy in trying to discover and unearth like what is that meaning for me and how can certain shifts and changes in my beliefs about my own sexuality help me to be a more Sort of enlightened and comfortable person because when you think about sexuality, it's tied into so many things. Um, in sex coaching, we use the Meigs model, which is established by Dr. Patty Britton, um, but essentially outlines areas um, in which sex coaches work to address um, issues of sexuality with our clients, and that those areas encompass the mental, the emotional. Um, The body, the body image in particular for women is tied very closely with their sexuality, um, confidence issues. Um, I'm sure you do a lot of work with women um, who are professionals that are kind of stunted in this area because of so much of pressure to be a certain way or to feel a certain way about their body. Um, Then we get into energy and how energy affects our sexuality and our general well-being um and spirituality, finally, which is an area that I think I've done probably the less work around myself looking at how my spirituality ties into my sexuality. But for some people, that's a very direct correlation. And when there's a blockage in the area of spirituality, often that affects sexuality too. So... Yeah, it's a really holistic way of looking at wellness from my perspective, but using sexuality as a way to sort of target these various areas of my life. And that's what I hope to do with my clients as well, is look at what's working for them, what's not working for them sexually, and trying to find, you know, what's the most meaningful area of their life that is reflecting now um, in an issue around their sexuality. So, Mm. all all of that has to do with self-care, right? You know, it's, it's so personal. Your sexuality is so personal. And for women in particular, it's something that I feel it could take an entire lifetime to feel ownership over. And that's just because of how we've been socialized in a lot of ways and, the fact that we're not encouraged to talk about sexuality and what it means to us. And there's a lot of fear also in indulging in the things that we find pleasurable because there's kind of a stigma around going to a place of pleasure um, and feeling like there has to be some payment or payback. <laughs> for that experience of pleasure, so there's a lot going on that interests me. Um, in particular, with women and and female sexuality, so that tends to be my focus. But um,
0: I love it all. I'm interested in it all. <laughs> <laughs> Sex is so interesting. It's yeah. It's such such an interesting. Uh, life-filled topic that even if we are afraid of it, we're still interested in it. Even if we're appalled by it, we're still interested in it. Like, it, it, it is the life force itself, the way that I see it. it really what creates us here. And Absolutely. what I'm always amazed by is just how much it rules a lot of things that we do, but we're not really willing to look at it. It's like, I, I heard it described as it's like the, the ocean you know, the, the, the great ocean of dynamics of everything. And then we're looking at life, which is like the top part of the ocean that we can see, like the sunlight glinting off of. So like mm-hmm. really like it's the vast majority of it are these like huge politics around who we're attracted to, who we're not attracted to, what we want, what we don't want. And, and when I hear what you're saying, it makes me think of this Buddhist uh, phrase that how you do anything is how you do everything. And, mm-hmm. uh, so it's like, it's how we look at ourselves and our sexuality probably does influence every other part of how we work and how we parent and how we, you know, have self-esteem. And and what I thought was really, uh, really important to me and to, I think, a lot of people who listen to this podcast is that uh, I think a lot of my clients have trouble receiving pleasure or just receiving in general. I think it's really hard, like what you said about, you know, feeling if we receive something, then that means we're going to be obligated to give back in some way and Starts to bring the, the, the mental energy and the stress into it. We start to get out of our bodies, and I'm, I'm curious if that's a common theme that you work with of, of how to how to receive pleasure and and what you suggest to your clients around that.
1: Well, I think the first step is to acknowledge that we live in a culture that simultaneously pushes um, immediate gratification options in our faces constantly, while um, working to impose sort of um, these almost penance-like restrictions on the experience of those pleasure items. So, I mean, I'm immediately thinking about food and the complicated relationship that a lot of us have around food because of the availability of garbage and the promotion of garbage and then the emphasis on a particular body type or weight or physical physique that we all feel, you know, consciously or subconsciously a pressure to achieve. And I think that 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 type of duality exists in American culture in particular for a lot of things related to um, our bodies and our experience of life. Um, You know, we have to work really hard to deserve, quote-unquote, that vacation or even just, you know, taking a break from work. We have to, um, you know, like, especially if we're women, we have to, like, behave a certain way to receive a man's attention. Um, And the way that we kind of are conditioned to behave, maybe we're counter to our very nature, but it's something that we, like, sort of subvert. We subvert ourselves for this um, opportunity, so to speak, to, to experience pleasure with someone else. And then, you know, that typically doesn't work very well or for very long, right? Um, so I think first and foremost, prioritizing pleasure should be something that people feel allowed to do. Um, and that can really reshape someone's thinking completely if they do think that there has to be this constant bargaining between good and bad and I want this, but I have to give up that. Um, And I don't want to be one of those people that says you can have it all because I don't believe you can have it all simultaneously. But I think that reworking and I guess recognizing some of the messages that we've been told, and realizing that there are possibilities beyond that is really helpful. So having this idea of, you know, I, I want this, and that's enough. Um, it's enough for now, and we're going to get to tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> I want to enjoy this, and that's enough reason. There doesn't have to be this justification or um, thinking down the line how you're going to compensate for the pleasure that you receive now. And it's funny because I don't believe that um, men, as a general category, which is horrible to do, but I don't think that they feel the same type of pressure to, um, to give when they receive in terms of sexual pleasure. Um, women are conditioned a little bit more societally to feel that need Um, so there's just there's a lot of expectation I think that gets put on on women to behave in that way so it's not like really a surprise if people struggle with that Um, so in the work that I do uh, there's a lot of permission giving to receive pleasure and just sit with that um to not go immediately to what do I have to do next to feel like I've validated this experience of pleasure, um, you know, just to see how that feels. Because I, I feel like a lot of people aren't even aware that that script is running, but
0: it is. Yeah, I love, I love everything you just said, and, it, and it's, I really agree that I, I think self-awareness that that script is running is, is maybe one of the harder parts to just admit to ourselves. like, well, I'm really bad at this. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to receive pleasure, or, it's, it's like, as soon as I start to go into that, that place of, for me, it's like, I, I completely relate to it, and it, it, for me, it's just really vulnerable to receive pleasure. Like, when I'm giving, then I have a little bit more control in a situation, and when I'm Receiving that I really am vulnerable in a whole new way, and that feels a little a little too exposed for me. Like I simultaneously crave it and kind of push it away. And I've been I've been noticing that in myself lately, and uh, and that's hard. It's like hard to have that self awareness of like wow, like or even like you were saying around food of like I just ate that brownie and I didn't even enjoy it because I was feeling so guilty the whole time. And like <laughs> <"That's> great, <laughs> can can you know first of all, can I just be compassionate with myself that, like, it's hard because, like, I didn't grow up in, like, a particularly, like, pleasure-oriented family. Like, I remember my mom having an indulgence and she would always be like, well, I'm not going to eat dinner tonight. Or it's, it, And the moment she was eating it, she was already justifying how a way she would, like, punish herself later for it. Yeah, And so it's, for me, it's a lot of compassion that, like, okay, we don't know how to do this. And, and this is a, maybe the one of the first generations where we really have had the, the tools and the time and the space and the permission in a cultural sense to really, you know, be vulnerable and have these conversations. So it's like we're really, I I kind of see us as being like leaders and trailblazers in this, and and you're like kind of like right at the front of the pack right now, I feel. I sure hope so. I mean,
1: guilt and shame are boner killers. They're lady boner killers. They're man man boner killers. And I just want to say, you know, like, Think back to that experience of, your, you know, watching your mom with, you know, the struggle, which was very real, around food and indulgence, and just flip the gender. Like, think about your dad doing that. It's it's very, very rare, I would say, um, because I'm, you know, I, I identify with, um, my mom didn't do that to the same, to the same. To, to that degree, like, verbalizing it, but I saw her behaviors where she was body conscious and she dieted occasionally. Like, there were periods of time where there's like, a shit ton of flint fast in the house, you know? Um, and, you know, my dad wasn't doing any of that stuff. And, you know, like, he had his other issues, I'm sure, but um, it's, it's funny when you think about the things that are influential to you and your experience of pleasure—that you know, really the the earliest parts of that start in childhood—and um, when you look at which parent is most influential on that, whether you're, you're you identify as male, female, or or other, like it's kind of interesting to kind of flip it, imagine it as the other gender, and be like, wait, <laughs> like um, this is definitely something that is is more. Experienced by women, and that's I think really empowering too to know that like just because that's the experience that I had because my mom was this way or that does not mean that those are the same choices that that I want to make. Um, it's not the same kind of, for lack of a better term, like oppression that I want to live with. Um, so, so I break the habit. You know, I. I try to um, think about what serves me in, in the moment um, while also being, you know, an ethical person, of course. Um, I actually, when I was first trying to piece together some of these things, some of these themes about what I really wanted and how I could, like, vocalize these things, I started a blog called The Meat Battle Uh, Battle is my last name. Um, And meat referred to the fact that I was cutting meat out of my life um, for health reasons. But I was also looking at my relationships, and I had just ended one that was a long-term relationship. And I was really trying to cultivate an idea around how can I approach, you know, my health and well-being from these two Perspectives. You know, I'm making this choice to cut out something that doctors are telling me is no good for me because of my medical history. And I'm also looking at what's going to serve my heart in the future um, while I can kind of gather as much experience about what I want as I can along the way and do that really responsibly. And so it was an exercise for me to kind of like compare these two things. Like I love food and it kind of seemed like this logical marriage for me to look at those things at the same time. I know for a lot of people, they don't really draw the same types of parallels between food and sex, but the pleasure I get from both is very real, and the choices I make around both areas of my life are... They do largely, like, run parallel in my life, um, which I think is good. I think... um, you know, I was an adventurous eater for a very long time, and I was an adventurous dater for a very long time, and then I had to start making um, choices that served me um, in a better way in those two areas. So, um, but always trying to look at like how can I recreate, how can I create the rules, you know, and knowing that there were rules set before me that may not really apply to the things that I wanted in my life. So there's a lot of ownership taking um,
0: that had to happen with that too. Beautiful. I feel like you have a book in there about adventurous <laughs> eating and adventurous dating. That's, that's so evocative to me. It, it actually makes bring spirituality into this a little bit. It makes me think about um, a comment I read once from – there are these yoga teachers from the Jiva Mukti tradition, uh, Sharon and David Gannon, and they, um, they talk about this concept in yoga called brahmacharya, which it, it, it's been interpreted to mean celibacy in the past, and I remember them talking about it once, and, and they're both vegan, really vegan activists, and they said that they thought the most important principle of yoga was brahmacharya, but they were saying like controlling your sexual lust for food – and not exploiting, mm. and the process. And it, it really changed the way that I thought of that word brahmacharya, because in the past, I'd always thought it meant, that, like, if you're going to be a yogi, it means you're going to not have sex. And, and mm-hmm. after that, I started to see, like, no, it's that word, it's more about controlling it to the point where you're, it's not controlling you, you know, that you're able to make yes. good choices in it. And what I think a lot of us do around food and around sex is, like, we deny ourselves, we suppress our urges, we think that, like, good girls don't do that, whatever the the thing is in our head, and then we can go and we can be incredibly self-destructive around food and sex because we're not letting ourselves enjoy what we want in a public, open way, or or at least, you know, in a way that we're public and open with ourselves about it, and and that is what really compounds the shame and the guilt. So what what I've started to see for myself is the more I talk about it, the more I take the shame away from it it actually helps me to like be a lot more discerning and how I you know, who I want to go to bed with or what I want to put in my body for food. It is I see them as being incredibly related, but it is a little bit more about taking ownership over it rather than it, it just kind of running the um, behind the scenes in, in destructive ways.
1: Yeah. I I think that it takes a lot of work for some people to stand very firmly Um, in what they want and what they know their body needs um, in terms of a sexual relationship or sexual encounters. Um, And I think that that's work that's worth doing um, because the end result of having successful, a a healthy sexual relationship with yourself, first and foremost, um, which we can talk a little bit about, in a bit, and then incorporating that into, you know, your interactions with other people should you choose to do so. um, Like, the end result is something that does provide health benefits for all. Um, So not only just the release of an orgasm, should you have one. I don't want to get too focused on the orgasm, but... um, you know, all the wonderful things um, biologically, physiologically that that allows for for the body to, to experience, um, the massive stress reliever, um, but it's also connection and connectivity, um, a lot of empathy and understanding. Uh, when you get really good at knowing what you want and communicating, there's this um, beautiful exchange that can happen between partners and um, a playfulness and you know so many things that are are soul feeding you know so it's it a, a healthy expression of your sexuality um, as difficult as that road may be to go down for in particular some women um, it's it's good life work to do um, because it can support you when all the other shit isn't great you know. Um, I wrote one blog entry, um, and my mom actually read it. Was like, what? Um, during grad school, I think it was my last entry. During grad school, I talked about procrastination, um, <laughs> and it's a fantastic thing that happens. Um, and it actually, there was like a John Stewart like on the Daily Show. Um, he he talks about procrastination, but um, I saw that, and I was like, yes, that's, like, that's sometimes what I needed when I was, like, studying super hard and working my ass off at my other job, and I didn't want to do anything, and I was able to get some relief, some relief, some stress relief that helped me to continue on. Um, Sometimes that session would go a little longer than necessary, but... In the end, you know, it helped me to get through a very stressful period of, of my life. And, you know, I, I think these are all things to consider. It's just like it seems really daunting and hard to, like, talk about these things that society says don't talk about and for women don't prioritize it and just, like, take what you can get and stick with it for as long as you can. Um, but if you can push beyond that and really start to carve out an idea for yourself of what you want and go about getting it, the results are fantastic for your health outcomes, for your sanity, um, and for other aspects of your life that you wouldn't even think are connected to your sexual expression, like creativity, like productivity, like getting a good night's sleep. So, yeah, it's a a fascinating area of life where, um, you know, I, I definitely don't knock anybody who who limits their, their sexual expressions like of, like, who and how and where and why. But um, for those that are open to it, it's really great to harness that, that power of, like, I know what I want
0: sexually, and I'm going to go out and get it. Yeah, yeah. It, and it, it makes me think of just, like, you can see those people who are doing that, and they look really good. Like, like their, their <laughs> eyes look bright. Like, they have the vitality about them, and, and I can feel it in myself. And it's, it's actually it's funny. I had, a, had an ex-lover from way back in my life come into town not so long ago, and, I, you know, I wasn't really looking for anything, and we had, we had some romance, and I just, like, felt so good afterwards, like, when he, he went back to where he lived. But I was like, I want to keep this going in my life, not, not for him, you know, but for me. Like, and, and so I, I made myself a little bit more available in terms of, like, just going on some dates and wanting to keep the energy flowing. And it's, it was such a different motivation for dating than I'd ever had before because I think before it was like, I have to meet somebody. It's like immediately, like, boner killer, like, guilt and expectation and pressure and, and from that place of, no, I just want to keep looking vital, <laughs> Yeah. it's actually, like, been really successful for me. It's just a way of just showing up. Like, I'm really just showing up for myself here so I can, like, be in my own body and be in my own life in that way. And I I wonder if, if we, you know, can all start to just embrace that of, of it just being, like, a hygienic act that we do to, like, keep that energy in our life, <laughs> be it through masturbation or through going on sexy dates or through, you know, making more of an effort with our partner to, like, to feel sexy and, and want to be in having more sex or more, more of that energy around us.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that there's an interesting point in there, too. Like, um, for me, expanding what it meant to be a sexual person was really important, and I definitely identify with, like, maybe having too much expectation in the past about what was going to happen after I hooked up with someone or, you know, started really thinking this person was somebody I wanted to, you know, have a relationship with. And, yeah, expectation can really be devastating. Um, but I think that, well, there's two things. One, expanding my experience of sex, like solo sex, was Highly influential because there is a use it or lose it kind of thing. And when and when there were times that I didn't feel like putting the energy out there to date, um, I was still able to get that feeling of um, all right, that relief, that relief on my own, and not put so much pressure on someone else to do that for me. Um, so that's really empowering. It also helps me to understand my own body and to explain that to a partner. So the second thing that I thought about. Um, at the very end of what you were just saying is like sort of trying to be like more open to sex in, in a partnership um, I think there's something that happens too where we get really caught up in like how we need to be perceived sexually again everybody experiences this to a certain degree but I think there's a lot of pressure on female bodies to like present like they're ready for sex and I've definitely like gone to that space in relationships where it was more like ceremonial or like I needed certain things to feel like I personally was ready for sex. Nothing wrong with that, but I think it's worth examining why I felt that way and what kind of energy I was putting into like setting the stage rather than like waking up kitten breath, turning to to my partner and being like, "Let's go because you know, that should be totally fine, too. Um, and I feel like a lot of women get boxed in with, like, it has to be a certain time and it has to be like this and it has to be, like, meaningful or loving or, you know, um, a certain time of day. And I think that those are things that we can start to look at individually and examine as well. And be like, you know what, they chose me. Um, I'm going to look this way, <laughs> like... 85% of the time, I'm going to look super hot, like, 15 to 20% of the time, so they better get used to, like, having sex with the me that, that presents on the regular, um, and I need to be comfortable with them having sex with me in this way, too, so what's going on for me if I think I have to, like, set the stage for them to want to have sex with me, so mm-hmm. I'm definitely not afraid of that. I have definitely fallen prey to that. and Oh, it's good i I'll have. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I hear it a lot from women, too, where they're like, I need to feel sexy. What are the things that you need to feel sexy, and why do you need them? You know? Um, you are sexy because you're you, and you've got whatever you've got going on. For me, it's my ass. It's great. I love it. Guys love it. It gets me a lot of attention. Um, I try to keep it under wraps and just expose it, you know, when necessary. But um, for some people, it might be, like, another attribute that they're really proud of, and they focus on that. And that's what makes them feel sexy is when that aspect of them is, is feeling really good or their their energy level is, is right or, you know, they've just, had their partner wash the dishes for them, and so they're feeling really grateful and loving and tender to be more of a feeling than a, the way they, they see themselves. Um, so a lot of people don't think about that, like what makes them feel sexy, and sometimes it's not tied
0: to the things that we think it is. Yeah, totally. Um, first so all, I have to say, I kept thinking about that scene from um, Bridesmaids. Have you seen that movie? <laughs> Yeah. Um, or she like gets up in the morning. She's like in bed with this guy and gets up and he's still sleeping. And she like does her hair and her makeup and then she gets back in bed and he wakes yeah. up. And she's like, oh, you look great. She's like, oh, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> she's just, like hi, like, yeah. She <laughs> woke up like this. And uh, but I I agree uh, so much about like the the what I feel like helps me in in sexual relationships is like that like for me to really take responsibility for my own enjoyment and pleasure. Um, and that that really does come down to, like, turning myself on. That, like, mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, especially when it's a new partnership or it's exciting or something, like, yeah, that energy is just there and I just ride that wave. But it's, it's something that I've really realized that I can, like, create that. And it makes me think about the uh, the work of Esther Perel. Do you know her? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. She's so amazing. And I was, I was listening to her. She was talking in the Dear Sugar podcast about how, you know, like, the woman needs to be turned on by herself. Like, the woman's not really, like, we're kind of turned on by a man's body, but, like, it's, like, the feminine, like, that, like, that feminine energy can be just so evocative that, like, we can use that energy in ourselves to get turned on. And it doesn't have to be about turning the other person on. It's, like, we get to do it for ourselves. And, and like, I think in a spiritual sense, just, like, I I think of, like, divine feminine as, like, that just, like, completely erotic turned-on feeling and that we can just, you know, we don't have to create it, but we can, we can like, tap into it in ourselves. Like, it doesn't have to be a high-pressure situation. And, and I, I find that my most satisfying sexual encounters are when I, like, I'm like, nope, I'm going to have a great time. <laughs> this is my yeah. Wednesday night. I'm having a great time.
1: Yes, yeah, I'm out. This is great. And the energy is there. And I think that that's another thing to be, to be aware of, is when the energy is there and when it is not. And when you can when it is not, when you can cultivate it. There are times when it's just, like, there's absolutely no way I can shift my mentality from where I am to, like, I'm going to be sexual with you. And, unfortunately, those are the times that I have to, you know, say no to my partner for, you know, for sex. Um, Like, no, it's not going to happen for me. Um, You do what you want. (laughs) I'll be here, or I'll leave the room. Um, But I think there are moments where it's a gray area for me and that's one of the beautiful things about relationships is that, you know, I can always be swayed in those gray moments, but I have to know that it's gray for me and I have to realize that there's that moment of like, oh, I could or I couldn't. I I want to for this person and I want to for the experience and the connection that I get from this and I know it's going to be great. So, okay. Um, And then noticing, like, you know, for women, like, there are cycle um, correlations between when we feel, like, the most inclined to have sex and when we don't. And I find that a really good practice for me is when I notice that those moments occur, to give voice to those moments, to actually give voice to those moments and ask for sex it is not unsexy to ask for sex. It is, in fact, very sexy <laughs> for a woman to ask for sex. Um, and that may mean with your partner, that may mean of yourself, like to acknowledge that if the moment is right, seize the day um, with yourself. Or it might mean, wow, I'm really feeling this compulsion to go out and meet someone and and, like, make out or, you know, like whatever it is for you that's going to be satisfying, um, allowing yourself to go down that road and ask for it in whatever means you feel comfortable. Um, and I think that's another thing that women, like you mentioned before, you can sit in denial of those feelings for a very, a very long time. And it's, um, it's not an extreme use it or lose it, but I'd rather people continue to use it when they feel it um, if at all possible.
0: <laughs> yes, I agree. And I'm curious what, how you help people around discernment in choosing sexual partners, because I, I definitely experienced feeling that energy and going out and then just ending up with somebody that I did not feel good about the next day. Mm. And how, how do you help, you know, give that empowerment in the moment to yourself to, like, to know who you want to, like, because I think that energy is really powerful. Like for me, it feels like a very sacred energy. It's taken me a long time to realize just how sacred it is for me, mm-hmm. and of, of who. When I share it with someone who's worthy of it, um, it's awesome. And when I share it with someone who's not, it, it's depleting. Actually, like I wake up the next morning feeling like really like something's been kind of taken out of my spirit.
1: Mm-hmm. And I,
0: what do you what do you think about that?
1: Well, I think a lot of things about that, and I think that. Um, we can begin by categorizing those experiences differently. So, you know, again, it comes back to just acknowledging what you do for your own pleasure and within an ethical framework. You know, you were both consenting adults. You agreed to this experience. Maybe afterwards you wake up and in one of my instances, the guy guy had like a Bob Marley poster in the light of day I didn't see and like a lot of hippie stuff and... Like dirt <laughs> everywhere,
0: and I was like, peace,
1: you know, like peace <laughs> I yeah. like just I'm gonna leave that alone in my better judgment non sex stuff craze, I'm not sure that I would have like picked him, but it was a fun night, and that's what I take away from those moments. not like I wish that hadn't happened um, now, if you're talking about discernment in terms of how can I pick a person who will be game for the things that I'm game for, that's a whole other conversation and gets down to the specifics of what are you looking for and where are you looking? Because all of those things can help to attract and um, retain people that are going to be a better fit for you. But in my opinion – two consenting adults that have sex with each other for one night or, you know, a few times and everyone is okay with what's happening, um, there should be no feelings of guilt around that because it's what you want to do. You know, it comes back to, like, owning your pleasure, right? It's, I want to do this. Like, he's not the father of my children or she's not a long-term partner, but, like, man, it's really fun when we have sex. And, you know, I don't want to see them. I don't want to, like, go on a proper date with them. And they don't seem to want to go on a proper date with me. You know? Like, we have to acknowledge those things, too. It gets a little tricky when one of you wants something more, but, you know, you cross that bridge when you get to it. Um, But in general, um, one of the services that, that I offer is for folks that are putting themselves out in the arena of online dating. And um, I work very closely with them individually to ensure that the things that they want are represented in their profile. And in particular, I feel that women are very hesitant to put what they want. They're very, like, this is what I don't want. This is what I've had in the past. This is what has not worked. And we all know what that does. Like, (laughs) putting Mm -hmm. that out there in the world just attracts the same shit, you know. Um, But putting out what you want actually will attract interest in people that can see you for who you are um, and can acknowledge or, you know, at least start to identify um, the things that are of great value to you in particular. And then they can decide, um, okay, I kind of meet these criteria uh, let me message this person. Or if you message them and they're looking through your profile, you, you know, they'll see some alignment there. Um, so that's a really good technique. If you're just going out into the world, it's always a crapshoot. But with online dating, you can put filters in for yourself. Um, I am a very proud um, supporter of online dating and have a success story from that experience. And, and I, I was on... Um, different sites off and on for several years. So I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of what a person might potentially see and some of the pitfalls um, of the profile.
0: <laughs> so,
1: so, yeah, there's, there's several things going on there. Like if you're going out into the world, it's best to be very kind to yourself if you find yourself going home with someone or inviting someone home for the night, that's fine. That's great. It worked for the night, and and that's that. But if you're looking to have ongoing sort of dates with folks to kind of test the waters, there are things you can do to just put, put a little bit more energy into attracting the things that you want most from those experiences.
0: That's great. What I hear in there is, is that self care is really being honest with yourself first
1: around what yes. it is
0: that you are looking for. And the potential I feel in there too is to like realize that you can you can put it out there and you can ask for that. And that even yes. if you know that, that you you don't have to be or we I'm gonna put myself in that we don't have to be afraid of what's happened in the past or, you know, that what what being clear and taking that extra time to like I feel a lot of self-love in that, actually, to, like, be clear and be like, wow, you know what? I do want something serious, or you know what? I want something completely casual and just, like, something that will help me relax right now and not not beating ourselves up over that in any way. I feel like that opens up the door for us to have different kinds of experiences. I think there's, like, for me, there's nothing so frustrating as feeling like I'm doing the same thing that's not making me happy over and over again. Mm-hmm. and I'm really realizing in my life that, like, what I need to do is I need to change the input if I want to change the output. So I, I, hear, I hear you are providing, like, a great service, and that way I'm really helping helping bring clarity about your clients and what they're looking for in their their dating lives and their sex lives. And I love your success story, too. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, just moved in. So pretty, pretty successful. That's <laughs> great. Um,
1: yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think that you know, there's so many different ways to 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 approach online dating, um, and I, I think that maybe going from data and like books about this stuff isn't necessarily the best. Um, I am the girl who believes in numbers for sure, and I love looking at statistics for perspective but I also really believe so strongly in outliers and I believe in, um, you know, chemistry beyond the things that uh, quote-unquote work for finding people in these zones where there's a lot of algorithms working behind the scenes. So um, my approach has always been, and with my clients, I really try to do a lot of values clarifying around, well, what, what are you looking for, like you said, and then work with them, you know, really specifically throughout each section to see, like, have we tackled the fact that you want someone who can up and travel, you know, three months out of the year with you? Um, have we really gotten that in some way, you know, shape or form represented here so that, you know, your profile can act as sort of a filter for you? Because that's really what it should be doing. I think, you know, a hell with the, like, this is your percent match or this person happens to be like 10 feet away from me right now. Like that's <laughs> besides the point. I think um, when you represent yourself well and not like from a place of, I know that these things attract men, like no one just wants to attract men um, or partners. Um, they want to attract the right kind of partner Um, they want to attract the person that's going to see them for who they are and love them for who they are and move through life with them in accordance with the values that they have set forth, you know? Um, those are, in my opinion, the most successful matches. If we look to examples in our lives, like, like, you know a good couple when you see it, and then you start to look at, like oh, yeah, they really, like, have this whole couple thing down and, you know, this one's out in the world and the other one's kind of doing this thing here and then they come together and collaborate and it's beautiful. Like, you, you can begin to see what works and you just have to do a little bit of work on how does that play out in your life or how do you see that and envision that relationship being for you and be bold and um, courageous enough to ask for it yeah,
0: it feels so logical when you put it out there, Which is, it's, because it is, I, I, it is an emotional process, of course, to date, but it's nice to have a little, especially when we're feeling overwhelmed, to have a little logic just to pull us through, to be like, no, it's about clarifying what you want, putting it out there and, and asking for it. And it's, when I hear you say it, I'm like, oh, this really doesn't feel that big. And, and what it keeps coming to mind for me, too, is just, it's just like the willingness. You know, if anyone out there is listening to this and they're like, oh, I feel so overwhelmed how do I start to look at my sex life or tap into this energy or go online again or all these things that might help you get more of your sexual energy rocking for you, like I I just invite you just to sometimes just stepping into the willingness of it. Like, okay, I'm I'm willing to kind of think about sexual energy today or I'm willing to, you know, look at Maisha's website and see if she can help me with my, online profile or whatever it is but I I think just to take that first step to look is really brave actually so definitely um, yeah Yeah. can you talk a little bit more about how people could work with you in terms of like what you offer
1: sure Um, so my sex coaching takes place primarily virtually I am based in the Bay Area in um, San Francisco and um, but I you know take clients all over the country or the world, um, if they find me and there's an alignment with uh, what I do and what they're looking for, I I will work with them. Um, And I basically have two approaches. Um, I work either individually or with couples um, for hour-long sessions. Um, Really, again, clarifying, discovering giving um, exercises to do either alone or with partners, um, or I provide sort of ongoing spot coaching throughout a month. So you could, you know, especially with projects like the online dating profile setup, we want to look at, and I've, I've um, had like an hour-long session where we just like really look at the profile together and we do a lot of work to kind of parse out you know, what are you really saying here? When I read that as an outsider, this is what I think. Is that right? Is that what you meant to say? Is that how you really think and feel? Um, We look at, you know, uh, photos and things like that um, and make decisions around that. But then throughout the month, you know, I want to check in on you. How's that working? Um, Are you getting a different kind of response? Is it the same kind of response? Um, Are you scheduling dates? You know, what can I do to support you to rebooking things, you know, how can we move some of these online chatting scenarios into meeting people in real life? How can you feel really confident and supported when you go into a date? So that is kind of more a good example of what a project based um, like monthly program would be for me. But um, with the one-on-one and couples sessions, the primary goal is to address a sexual issue that's being currently experienced. So um, I can tell you <laughs> that big ticket items um, for men um, include like early ejaculation, um, sexual um, dysfunction, if you want to say, but um, just sexual functioning that's not meeting their current needs or wants. That's how I like to frame it, instead of dysfunction. Um, and... Uh, With couples, it's typically a mismatched or misaligned desire. We look at, well, what's happening there? What are the the areas of your life that are supporting um, you being sexual with one another? And then what are the areas that are getting, getting in the way of that? And how can we start to move things around so you can clear up a little bit more space for sex? So that's an example of what I would work with a couple on. And for women... It's a lot of these issues that, we're, that we've been covering today. So, you know, um, really working on body image so that um, self-esteem can rise, eat high enough to go out and to date. Um, so that might morph from, you know, hour-long sessions to project-based work where, you know, we're working more um closely on results and how things are working Um, and then uh, experiencing sexual pleasure expanding sexual pleasure too women are so um, blessed hashtag blessed (laughs) with uh, the potential to experience so many different types of um, orgasm and from a variety of different sources Like we are these fantastic sensual beautiful feeling creatures and there's a lot of room for expanding one's experience and one's own orgasm. And there are definitely things you can do on your own. Um, that you do not need a partner for that I would help my female clients experience and learn about. Um, and I'm also delving into workshops too. And the first one that I did was for, actually a group of friends and we talked about female orgasm and ejaculation. Um, so that's something that in a group setting is really fun to, to kind of like be in a close group of people that um, all have the same body type of view and can kind of delve into anatomy technique. Um, yeah. My approach is pretty logical, <laughs> tactical, like giving people tools um, and, uh, going along with them on the journey of using those tools or if issues come up for them after an assignment, it's like, oh, I just really couldn't do that thing you asked me to do, talking about why that was hard, why they couldn't do the assignment, let's move past some of these emotional blockages that tend to come up with experiencing pleasure or expanding an experience of pleasure. So, um, mm. yeah. That's it. I really, I
0: really appreciate your clarity I say that but like you just you seem to break things down in a way that like again this like murky ocean of sexuality I feel like you you have your boat you know, like get on the boat this is if you want to go <laughs> to the ocean let's go
1: that's oh. a huge compliment and that's all I want to do I mean again you know there's so much wrapped up in sexuality and it it does become very daunting to people but breaking things down into digestible pieces and um, and providing a comfortable space to explore that, um, that's my life's work, and I'm really excited to do it. So, you know, it's, it's good to hear that there's... I'm not mucking about here. It's very straightforward.
0: <laughs> like, yeah,
1: I want people to, to join me. I've had... You know, I've done a lot of work myself on trying to figure this stuff out and figure out what's right for me. And so a lot of what I do is informed by my own experiments and, like, creating this idea of a sex life and a romantic life and a professional life that makes me feel good at the end of the day.
0: Mm. Thank you for sharing all of it with us. I, I've, Thank you I've learned so a lot much for you. having me, Gracie. This has been great. My pleasure. And I, I just want to keep the conversation going. So everyone who's listening right now, I'm going to give you an assignment to go talk about something you heard on this podcast with one of your friends. Yeah. Like, bring up. We talk about so many things, and I think that's the way we can start to live this out is to take our, our interpersonal thoughts, especially the ones that you feel like, ah, oh, I, I do feel guilty when I receive pleasure. And bring it up. Like, go get a glass of wine with a girlfriend and bring it up, and I, I promise you you'll we'll have a pretty good conversation and you'll, you'll help your friend, and they'll just start this energy flowing in your life in that way. Definitely, um, I'd love to hear comments and feedback, and you should check out Myisha, myishabattle.com. And uh, thank you so much. It's, it's, been, it's been amazing. Absolutely, my pleasure. Mm-hmm. All right. Take care, everyone. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.